Hello and welcome to the Rooted Podcast, formerly the Calm Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Cassandra, and we are back after a very long break, which was not the intention, but sometimes you just have to listen to your intuition and not force things that don't feel good. Um, I decided to come back when I just every single day was journaling like, I missed the podcast. I missed the podcast. I missed the podcast. And then it came down to stalling because I was like, oh, I don't really have anything like on the tip of my tongue that I want to talk about. What could I share? I want it to be authentic. I want it to be genuine. Um, my intention was to come back and to share how the Calm Collective has left the building, so to speak. Um, the domain has been sold off, kind of a crazy story that I will share in another episode. Um, and the release from that brand just felt super organic and correct for me in this phase of life. Um, and so that was my intention was to do an update because let's be honest, I mean, (laughs) in the moment or in the time between the break, when I started the break, I got engaged, I got married, (laughs) I let the calm collective go a brand that I have had for a very long time. There's been a lot of changes happening and, um, not much communication on my end. So I do understand that there's a lot to catch up on and there's so many things that I want to share with you guys and, um, talk about, talk about with you. But the thing is, is that when something bad happens, when something tragic happens, it takes precedent. I couldn't imagine coming in and like talking about how the Calm Collective is no longer and like the rooted the rooted podcast and the rooted newsletter is, you know, my new baby, this new growth that I'm going through and sharing with all of you. I couldn't do that organically um, when I'm going through so much pain. That's just never been who I am. I can't pretend like everything's okay when everything's not okay. And so it was my decision to kind of come in hot with episode 115. Um, And instead of this like sweet organic, hi, we're back. It's so good to see you all. I missed you, which is all very true. Um, In my true vulnerable, vulnerable nature, I just needed to share where I'm at in this present moment with all of you. And then from there, you know, we can be even more connected. You can meet me where I'm at. Um, There's no secrets. There's no um, pretending like (laughs) everything over here is rainbow and butterflies when it's not. I want to be so upfront with you guys all the time. I, I want to share things in hopes of normalizing um, normalizing things like grief and um, taboo subjects that feel really scary to talk about. And this firsthand today in this episode is the scariest thing that I've ever done showing up here. So um, with that being said, please <laughs> show some grace. And uh, I definitely stumble a little bit. I get a little emotional. And so I'm just really really grateful for you all being here and for giving me the space and time to come back when it felt correct to do so. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode and I will see you on the other side.
I am honestly so nervous sitting down to record this. Um, it's like this juxtaposition of feelings because I know it's it's the right thing to do, not just you know for womankind and couples out there who have endured the same thing, but also for myself, for my soul. Um, when the newsletter went out on Sunday sharing this story, I went into this like, it was weird because the minute I hit send, I had this like breath of like release of like thousands of pounds off my shoulder just being like, okay, this isn't a secret. This isn't something to feel ashamed of. This isn't something that was like my fault or our fault. It just is sad and it's true and it's real. And then like hours later, I started feeling so anxious and just so uptight and like a little moody. And it wasn't until I just sat still and got quiet with myself that I was like, oh, oh, okay. It's like a both and it's a release and it's terrifying. It's, you know, sharing my truth and being so incredibly vulnerable, which for me always feels really, really good. It's rare that like I invulnerable about something and have that like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit mentality. Um, I will say that the emails that flooded through from people who subscribe to the newsletter and then, you know, like friends who also subscribe to the newsletter who are, you know, good friends, but like not, I wasn't picking up the phone to like tell my posse what had happened. You know, it was a very tight circle of people who knew. So, um, it did feel so lovely to get all of that love and support um, from strangers and friends alike. So if you were one of them, thank you so much. And even if you weren't, that's not your responsibility. Um, that was just a bonus. I am so grateful that you, A, subscribe to the newsletter, um, and B, just give me the freedom and the space to really share myself fully. Um, and grateful for you listening here today. So basically what I decided to do was instead of <laughs> kind of like rehashing or, you know, re retelling the story in some different way, I decided to actually read um, pretty much verbatim what I shared on the newsletter. I was sitting outside with Jonathan the other day, so this is the only piece that I think I'll go into a little bit more depth with is um, I was sitting outside with Jonathan and he was like, you know, this is like a really profound moment where we not only share our story, but like we can share some knowledge, you know, like we can share information that we're gaining because again, as I'll get into it, like, you know, we're IVF patients. And so we have access to our incredible doctor who we have consults with pretty often and just no question is off limits. And you're getting all of this knowledge and all of this wisdom from the nursing staff, our doctor, the labs. I mean, I know more about embryos <laughs> and my reproductive system than I ever thought possible. So um, I hope to try and sprinkle some of that in here. Um, again, I think this goes without saying with the title of this podcast, but it's a trigger for some people. And I, I fully respect that if you're going through something like this, you just might not want to hear it. Or if you're newly pregnant, you might not want to hear it. When I 
found out I was pregnant, I avoided anything about miscarriage like the plague. It just did not sit with me. I did not want to hear anything like that. It made me feel really nervous. I was really sensitive to that type of information. So I 1000% respect where you need to be um, within this episode. If it resonated, oh gosh, or if you know somebody who could really benefit from hearing this story, um, please do share. I, I say that nervously, obviously, because again, it's aside from sharing about my dad's passing, it's the most vulnerable that I've ever been. Um, and, um, I really do encourage you to help this spread in an organic way because the message is so important. It's so important. It's hard to listen to. It's not going to be easy. There's detail that I didn't even know went into a miscarriage. And so that there though, I think is what's so valuable is that when I'm telling the story, I am in the midst of it. I'm still in the midst of it. I'm not pregnant and sharing my miscarriage after, you know, a successful pregnancy. I don't have a child and I haven't healed from this miscarriage. And then I'm now sharing it from the other side. And I think that is what felt so important to me and sort of like put me on this time frame of like, I have to do this now. I have to do it while I'm in it because that is what I was so desperate for when we found out that we lost our baby was like, where are the women who are like in agony now? You know, it's like that weird messed up thing of like misery loves company. And in a way I was like, I need people I need a posse who can sit in the mud with me who are there too, or at least read a story of a woman who is like, was in that moment too, and was writing from that heart space. So I hope that makes sense. Um, yeah, so let's get into it. So As I wrote in the newsletter, I wanted to be very clear at the very beginning that the story is both mine and my husband's and that I feel very lucky that he's been such an encourager of us sharing our story here with you. Um, In everything that's been disclosed in this episode, everything that I wrote in the newsletter um, has been supported and wholeheartedly approved um, and again, encouraged by Jonathan. So I labeled the title of the newsletter that I was getting ready to send out as Our Miscarriage. Do I want to send this? I feel like that right there might tell you everything that you need to know about how I feel in regards to showing up here like this with all of you. I've always worn my heart on my sleeve. I've held nothing back. I've never feared the result of just showing up and sharing my bare soul with those that I loved much less, complete strangers, both in real life, avoiding small talk at all costs and just going deep, um, or on the internet. I've been blogging for decades or showing up on the internet in some shape or form for decades. And this is a fact that always left my parents feeling uneasy, just kind of like, do you have to share everything? But on the flip side, it always made me feel so free and so connected to people. But today, as I muster up the bravery to speak out about our miscarriage that took place at the end of March of our first baby, I like shudder at the thought of sharing. 
And I think a lot of it is because I keep asking myself why. Like, am I doing this because it's helpful to me to get it out? Is it because I want to be honorable and support other women and couples and letting them know that they aren't alone? Am I doing it to try and free myself from the anguish that's so quickly built up in my bones and hoping that maybe letting it out into the universe will release some of that ache, make me feel like a human again? Or maybe I'm just doing it as a means to purely survive another day knowing that I'm no longer pregnant and carrying our baby. The answer is I have no idea. I had no idea when I was writing this article. I still don't really know. But in this moment, I'm sharing just to share with no real intent of like this profound outcome. And I think that I share simply to get the, what truly feels like an unbearable weight of grief off of my heart via the method that I know best, which was the written word and then showing up here with you on the podcast. So here's our story. One of many as miscarriage is not all that uncommon, but it's rarely spoken about and something that Jonathan and I both believe wholeheartedly needs to change. So we found out that we were pregnant at the end of February. We had regular checkups since we were and still are IVF patients due to Jonathan having had testicular cancer eight years prior. So we had tried naturally right before we got married um, and then, you know, months after that. And we knew that this might be something that could have affected him. So we ended up just going ahead and got him checked out to be safe. So they did like a semen analysis and all of that. And we were right. So basically we found out that um, even something like an IUI wouldn't work. We were going to need to go through IVF to um, get some help creating little embryos and Honestly, we were feeling so hopeful when they called us with the news that our transfer had been successful on the first try. Like, it was such a gift because we know that this wasn't the case for many couples going through IVF. Um, It can take multiple transfers, multiple cycles. You guys, it's so much medication. So we were really feeling so, so grateful and just beyond lucky. We spoke about it like on repeat out loud on this never-ending loop, just like sharing our gratitude and consistently writing this in our daily gratitude journal that we share at the end of each day. Um, And what I found to be so interesting was I've always, I mean, we're all intuitive, right? But I've always really loved how tapped in I am to my intuition. She's never steered me wrong. Um, I make it a priority to try and touch in with her as much as possible, um, and have her be like my voice of reason when, uh, making decisions or even just like flowing throughout my day. And what was really interesting was that I was so intuitively trusting prior to the confirmation that the pregnancy had taken. We hadn't known that it, um, had worked yet. Like every fiber in my being could just feel this little spirit baby inching closer and closer as the days narrowed to the HCG blood test, um, the one that reveals um, a positive pregnancy. And I don't really know how else to express that other than I was just like, oh, the baby's here. 
Like I could just like feel its energy. And I know that sounds a woo. Um, for those of you who are new here, you might be like, what? For those of you who have been here for a long time, you're like, we get it. It's who you are. Um, but yeah, it just felt very like this, like crazy confirmation without getting the phone call. And then we did get the phone call that, um, it was positive that we were pregnant and it was hands down the best day of my life getting the news that in just eight months time, I would become a mother and that in many ways I was one already. So we celebrated quietly as we told our parents, we, um, my mom was in Florida for the winter, um, and his parents were visiting Colorado. And so that was all over zoom. That was a little sad because I was hoping to be able to do that in person. You know, it's like such an exciting time. And, um, but we decided we could take what we could get. We did not want to keep that information from them. So we did really sweet zoom calls with them. Um, and then weeks later we ended up telling our siblings, we would just talk about baby names on our long walks after work. And I spent a lot of my free time on the nursery here and there. Cause as you guys know, I just love any excuse to style and design a space. So that was really fun. Um, and just like found myself when I'd be at the store, I'd just like browse the baby aisle and I'd just pick up some gender neutral items to fill the closet. It all just felt so good and so aligned and so right. I had like zero fear. Um, I just, I don't know. I felt good. I mean, even like through, so yeah, let's, let's talk about that because I, (laughs) you hear about pregnancy and women being so sick and stuff like that. So I was like, I was waiting for that. I think, I know that's not always the case, but like every woman in my life, that was the case for them. And so I kept waiting for like this nausea to hit and it never did. I felt so good. I was exhausted beyond belief, barely being able to keep my eyes open once the clock struck two. But otherwise my body really responded to the pregnancy so beautifully. My exterior body changed quicker than I had imagined, which was pretty crazy. Like my boobs were massive so quickly. Um, and I actually started showing a bit around week seven, um, not to the point where anyone who didn't know me or know that I was pregnant would ask if I was, but like a food baby type situation, like maybe they were like, Whoa, what did she eat today? Um, and like my clothes just weren't really fitting. So that all kind of happened pretty quickly. Um, and aside from the fatigue, I, was just so happy and not just like, oh, I'm so happy I'm pregnant. Like the hormones were making me so happy. I had like laugh attacks with Jonathan. I was just like, even if I was tired, I was still just like, I don't know, like the pregnancy glow type thing. It was real. I had it. Um, and yeah, I think all in all, I mean, I don't think I know. I was just so ecstatic to have been given the gift of being this baby's mother and to be approaching motherhood, which is something that I've always felt like is an innate purpose of mine and something that I've looked forward to for so long. Um, so when it comes to IVF, there are many things about going through this process that are super taxing. So many medications and just trips to the doctor for blood work and ultrasounds. Sometimes it's like every other day. At one point, it's every single day. It's a lot, but I mean, I think any person, um, 
will tell you that if all they aspire to is to build a family, it's, it's worth every second and every hardship. That's how I look at it. And I just think it's a privilege that, you know, we're in a position where Jonathan's health insurance allows us to do this and allows us to do it without really blinking an eye or having to feel any sort of financial stress. And for that, oh my gosh, I can't even express my gratitude for that truly. It makes me emotional every time I think about it because I know so many people either have to stop trying because they can't afford it or just like paying out of pocket. I just can't, I can't imagine. I feel so grateful. Um, The other really beautiful thing about IVF is that when your pregnancy is confirmed, so you know, generally when you are pregnant, you have this like gap. You either realize that you're late or you missed your period or some women still bleed and so they're like, oh, well, maybe I'm not pregnant. It's not like black and white. Um, For IVF, when your pregnancy is confirmed, you're able to see the baby from the get-go. So let me back up a little bit. I watched the actual transfer of the embryo being placed carefully into my uterus. I watched that actually happen. I sobbed. It was so emotional. It was so freaking cool because you're not under... Um, It doesn't hurt at all. It's like a very gentle process. So I watched it be placed into my uterus and then we only had to wait 10 days to find out. Um, And so from the transfer date and then you have those 10 days of waiting, you are getting an ultrasound every single week after that. So you are watching this little embryo like form into this fetus bit by bit every single week and Jonathan and I both agreed that while that is in fact beautiful it makes the loss of this baby that much more painful because we were witnessing the growth step by step we had become so connected so fast so attached to this little life we had built all these ideas and hopes of us soon becoming a family of three you know it was like we had this proof. It wasn't like this guessing game of like, is it in there? Like, is there a baby? Um, it just felt so real so quickly. And so we had no choice, no, no way of not daydreaming about what our future was quickly morphing into. And so by week seven, we got to see the baby's flickering heartbeat that looked like a little firework. It was so cool. I literally thought I was going to die of complete and utter happiness. I didn't know that you could feel like you were actually going to explode from the inside out from being so happy. It just confirmed everything. It was real. There was this little life growing inside of me and the heartbeat had confirmed it. And I just remember Jonathan and I crying and just holding hands so tight And for the next week, we just blissed out on this new reality, you know, like buying books and choosing nursery decor and just so much planning, so much planning. I thought about how we'd tell our best friends and how we'd share the news with our extended family in the coming weeks. Um, We're getting ready to go to Florida and like, I don't know, I was going to be able to like tell some of our family down there and... I just, I was buying like 
flowy maxi dresses for the warmer months to come because I knew that I was only going to continue to grow. And that was just so exciting. So on the morning of our eight-week appointment, I remember making this like protein oatmeal that I had seen online that looked so good. Oatmeal was like something that I had started craving a couple days prior. I remember calling Crate and Barrel to confirm that they had our glider nursery chair that we had ordered ready for pickup. We bought this out of being like so excited and just couldn't wait to bring it home and put it in the nursery. Um, So we were going to grab it later that day after our appointment. So even just like thinking about this makes me so lightheaded and I might get emotional. I'm sorry, but um, so at eight weeks when you're uh, with a fertility clinic, this is after your eight week appointment, this is when they release you to your OB or your midwife. So we were about to be released um, to our midwife for our week nine appointment after this ultrasound. And as a parting gift to the office staff, since we were seeing them weekly, we brought in a pot of fresh tulips for their office just to say thank you for all the support and that we would miss seeing their faces. And I was just like beaming that day. You know, I was just like in such a good mood and just so thankful for these women. I still am, but um, just kind of feeling like I was untouchable, you know? Um, And as I settled into the stirrups, I was holding Jonathan's hand, just so excited to see our little babe. It was a week since we last saw it, but it honestly felt like an eternity. And I just was so excited. And the technician came in and got started. It was a transvaginal ultrasound still. Um, And I just like remember turning to the screen and just like being like, oh my God, it's so big. It grew so much within that one week. And in my head, I was like, wait, where is the, like, where's the firework heartbeat? Because in week seven, when we saw it, like I said, it like was so bright and so fast and I just, I didn't see it. And she kind of like stayed in there for a while and was like moving around. And like, I just remember looking at her face and her eyes were just like really big and she wasn't making eye contact with me. Um, and it was just like at that time that I just like stopped breathing. I remember just like holding my breath and she just said like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She's like, I'm, I'm not seeing a heartbeat. And I just remember being like, wait, what? And she had to repeat herself. And I, I do remember just, I kept being like, what, 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 what? Literally just like on repeat like that. Like my, it was like, as if my body and my mind needed like a reboot. Um, and when I wrote the article, this is where I got stuck so much because I kept having to like revisit this because it just feels like too much. And even just like telling the story here, it just feels so fresh. It feels so raw and it feels so hard to revisit those moments where you're so sure that everything is going beautifully and then you're just knocked sideways, completely sideways. The anguish that was felt in that room on that chair in those stirrups felt like 
it felt eerily like the moment that I watched my dad pass away. It was like this compilation of like shock mixed with so much rage, like so much rage, you guys. And then mixed with like, I think this is what dying feels like. I cannot fucking breathe. And then Jonathan, you know, crying his own tears just held on to me as I recall sobbing these deep sobs that I could not even recognize as my own. Um, It was at that point that the technician, you know, just gave us some privacy and Jonathan realized that I was both physically and emotionally paralyzed. I was limp from head to toe. I could truly only let out these like deep moans followed by screams. (laughs) It's just, it's haunting to even think about. And if we were going to make it out of there, he would have to dress me and carry me out of the doctor's office, which is exactly what he did. Um, All I remember the rest of that day is just feeling like, quite honestly, like my lungs had collapsed, like a part of me had died and that I didn't even know where to begin processing what had just happened. One moment I was pregnant and the next I wasn't. One moment I was a mother nurturing her unborn baby. The next we were on the phone with our doctor having to decide how we would help the baby pass like what did I want to sit and wait for it to happen naturally I could not imagine that did I want a DNC no I did not want to go through a surgical procedure Um, or did I want to take medicine to induce it and these were the things that I can't find on the internet like how do women process How do women process that they have to, A, carry their non-living baby inside of them until the miscarriage happens? That was something that was so traumatic and devastating to me. I can't even wrap my brain around it. B, how how does the woman, how does the couple choose how they will unwillingly end the pregnancy that they've been praying for? See, how do you fill the space and time with emotionally healthy habits while you wait for your body to heal when you're so angry, when you are chewing at your cuticles, when you are like just desperate for some kind of relief? How do you do that in a healthy way to encourage your body to heal when you are so uncomfortable in your own skin? And then D, how do you carry on with normal conversations ever again? I remember having this thought too when my dad passed away of like, how am I ever supposed to talk about things that aren't so deeply rooted in this new reality that we're going through? And of course, I know that, you know, the answer is you give it time and you protect yourself and you create a safe bubble until you need it. Um, And so from there, Jonathan and I, chose to do the passing at home we did an induced miscarriage which requires taking medication that essentially feels like you're having contractions and going through a super heavy period so I took it right before I went to bed and then woke up really early in the morning um and it and it started and it was so traumatic I was in complete shock to the point where I was shivering and shaking and Jonathan was just completely heroic. He 
would come to the bathroom with me anytime that I needed to go. He would hold on to my body because I just couldn't stop convulsing. He would look at things before I could to prep me for what to expect. And this went on for two days. Um, and when I wrote the article, I was still spotting. It was like this constant reminder of what was lost um, while we were processing and just trying to regain hope for our future family of three and just like trying to get out of the fog. As I record this today, I'm no longer spotting, which I'm really grateful for. It is um, very healing to sort of witness my body start to heal itself and to come back to neutral. Um, It's a both and because, of course, it's so sad to watch your body go back to normal, no longer being pregnant, but then also on the flip side, like healing and going back to neutral just shows me how strong and resilient my body is and how healthy I am. And for that, I'm so grateful. So those days with the miscarriage and for many days after we just chose sitting by a wood burning fire and just sleeping to tend to our grief and to my healing body. And when we couldn't sleep and we just like could not stand the ache of our reality, we chose to walk. We walked around seven miles every single day. Um, when we weren't sleeping or walking, we worked on little house projects together and sometimes just like mid project one or both of us would just like belt out in tears. Sometimes we would be talking about how hopeful we were that we just knew our baby was so close. It was really all we could do to keep from just like melting into the earth and dissolving. Miscarriage is a three-syllable word that until you endure it, it's so hard to comprehend. And I say that firsthand. I have two people in my life. Well, now I know that I have more than two people in my life, but at the time I had only two people who I am close with that I knew had been through miscarriage as well. And until that day, the day we lost our own baby, I could not have fathomed the paralyzing agony that comes along with it. You hear things like, oh, it's so common as if that's supposed to make it less painful. It it doesn't. You'll hear, you'll get your baby as if it's as easy as snapping your fingers and that the time between the loss and the rainbow baby is bearable. It truly isn't. It feels like the polar opposite. You hear most miscarriages result in healthy pregnancy and without having any conscious regard to the fact that everything, everything feels scary now. And I think ultimately I wrote this article and I'm sharing it with you here because Like I said in the beginning, I was just so desperate to read a story that felt like mine, a story that was in the midst of the ache and not healed from it, and then a retelling, a story about a woman who is just trying to become a mother, a story that shared, you know, the middle parts and the messy, disorienting parts as hard as it might be to listen to and as hard as it might have been to read. Well, I wholeheartedly believe without a shadow of a doubt that our baby is so close, so close. I felt it then. I still feel it now. It just doesn't change what's true in this moment. And that's that we're heartbroken. We're heartbroken. And 
The only cure for that truly is time and compassion. All you can do, all you can do is just get through one hour and then another, one conversation and then another, one day and then another. I've been diligent about controlling what I can, my health, like walking, swimming laps, writing, journaling so much, a lot of body work. I've been getting like a massage once a week, um, Reiki, cranial massage, steams and hot baths. I can't control when my body fully heals or when our grief becomes softer or when our baby makes the choice to join us. But the self-nurturing is what allows me to believe with every fiber of my being that we will grow our family. It's what allows me to sleep soundly at night and wake up in the morning and just not feel complete dread to get through another day, knowing that I'm tending to myself the best that I can without these unrealistic expectations. I am showing up every day and just trusting my body. So the self-nurturing and just Jonathan, who has been nothing short of a miraculous partner and a a best friend through all of this, has truly paved the way for this to become less painful day by day um, and hopefully hopefully something that we will look back on and know that it grew our marriage. It has brought me closer to women in my life. It hopefully will expand into a more normalized conversation. Um, and so I just, I thank you for hearing our story. I'm really not sure how to end this any other way. Um, I know this is a lot heavier than my usual episodes and it's a pretty crazy way to come back after like a half a year break. Um, it wasn't the plan, but you know, with grief and loss comes perspective and with perspective comes radical truth and this right here is ours so thank you so much for being here and for holding space for us